I always envy Brother, Brother Dan when he gets up to preach. He's always got uh, some of the best, uh, the best terrible jokes that you've ever heard in your life. It makes you, uh, and, and I said once that I don't have the pastor's joke book of, of jokes to tell before service, um, but I don't need one because God gave me my children and they gave me uh, all the material I need. Last night we were getting ready for bed and uh, we had been talking about today was church day is what it's called around our house and um, we were going to get up in the morning and get ready for church and uh, Bradley was t- get his pajamas on and I'm getting him ready and he said, Daddy, I need to tell you a secret. I said, yeah. I lean in and he said, church day's tomorrow? I said, yes, buddy. He said, there are some churches that don't take so long. <laughs> so y'all are covered this morning, all right? Y'all are covered this morning. Bradley's already reminded me that I ain't got to preach till one o'clock, all right? There, there's some churches out there that they ain't got to do that, all right? So, uh, <laughs> that boy, all right. Luke chapter 24 this morning. If you found that, stand with me as we're going to be reading verses 13 through 20. Amen. Luke chapter 24, verse number 13. The Bible says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass therein these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how that the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. We know this as the passage of the two travelers on Emmaus' road, and we know that Jesus had just been raised from the dead and rose again to life eternal. This morning I want to ask this question. He's alive. Are you? He is alive. Are you? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that this passage is in here. God, I pray that you allow your word to be a blessing to this thy people. Get me out of your way. Speak to hearts as only you know how. And God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So to give a little context here, we know that Jesus has just risen from the dead. He's just been crucified, laid in a borrowed tomb for three days and three nights. And on that third day, He rose glorious, victorious from the grave. And I know in the month of April, we're going to be hearing messages about that in in Easter. But I I found this uh, story interesting. It's only recorded here in in Luke's Gospel. And it's an excerpt, a parenthetical insert, of something that took place in between the time Jesus physically rose from the dead and revealing himself in person to his disciples. And I found this text and, and wondered, why is it here? Why is it there? What purpose is it there for? And when you start diving in, it's clear that these two travelers did not recognize Jesus. Verse 15 and 16 says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Their eyes were holding simply means that God in his and God and His deity had power over their eyes and kept them, restrained their eyes from being able to recognize who He was. So the purpose of this text here was not to 
uh, belittle them or, or, or uh, teach them a lesson on not being able to recognize Jesus, for, for they physically were not able to recognize who he was because God exercised that power over them. So then why does he join himself to them on this traveling road, on this Emmaus road? Why does he join himself to these two travelers? What is he trying to get at here? I believe we'll find our answer. Why would he do this? He, what was he seeking to address? Look with me at verse number 17. We can find this answer because he said why he was there. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? This morning, he's not dealing with the topic we preached on last month and the topic of their faith, for we know that that he withheld them from being able to recognize him. But he's looking this morning more at not just their faith, but their attitude. This morning, I appreciate each and every time Brother Dan asked me to preach and fill this great pulpit. But each and every time he does, the Lord gives me a message that is aimed directly at me. I was having faith troubles and faith problems and and struggling with faith. And he asked me to preach and God gave me a message to to preach on marvelous faith or uh, marvelous unbelief. And he asked me to preach again this month and he gave me a message on how's your attitude this morning? Because this is another thing that I struggle with. Jesus joins himself alongside these two travelers on the Emmaus Road, and he's coming and he asks them a question. Why are you so sad? Why are the words that you're saying to each other? Why is your conversation? Why is your demeanor? Why is your body language? Why is your attitude the way that it is? We know that these two travelers knew that the tomb was empty. These two travelers had been with the disciples in Jerusalem. They knew the prophecies that Jesus had foretold and fulfilled that he would rise again on the third day. And these two travelers knew that the tomb was now empty, but instead of having joy, instead of having a good attitude, an attitude of life, they have an attitude of sadness, of sorrow, of death as they're walking on this Emmaus road. And his question posed to them is, why are you sad? Why do you have this attitude? You've heard my preaching, you've heard my teaching, you've heard, you've seen the prophecies fulfilled, you saw me die on the cross, and now the tomb is empty. What is your problem? Why is your attitude the way it is? This morning, I'd like to dial in on that thought. How's our attitude this morning? How's our attitude? Because we know the tomb's empty, amen? We know He's alive, amen? Does our attitude reflect that? Look with me at verse number 17 again. What manner of communications are these that you have one to another? Why are you so sad? Walk and are sad. Here we have Christ risen after fulfilling all prophecy. And here are two travelers who knew that the tomb was empty. And we'll get to where they found that out here in a little while. And they had an attitude this morning. First of all, it was an attitude of reason. It was an attitude of reason. Look back with me at verse number 13. And behold, two of them went that same day. The same day as what? If you look earlier in verse 24, we know it was when they discovered the tomb was empty. The same day that they discovered the tomb was empty, they hadn't seen the resurrected Savior yet. They hadn't found His body yet because it wasn't there. But they discovered the stone had been rolled away. They had been told by the angels, Why seek ye the living among the dead? That same day they went to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. So they're about to embark on about a seven to eight mile journey on foot. Not too terribly far, but it'd take you a good day or so to walk that with the terrain and topography they'd be walking through. And they talked together. Okay? So first off, they're in Jerusalem. They've discovered the tomb is empty and they've made the decision, we've got to figure this out. We've got to, we've got to do something. We've got to 
go for a walk maybe. And they, we don't know their intentions. We're not given their intentions of why they were headed to Emmaus. It's just simply not there. But I would submit this morning that they were not willing to wait and be patient and see and, and know and believe that God had risen from the dead and that He would be returning to them soon. So they, they, they got this is the one I struggle with. They've got to figure this out. And they talked together. Some of you preachers may need to help me. Some of you aged saints of God may need to help me on this. Sometimes the most dangerous thing for Christians to do is start talking about something without first understanding it. You see, they saw that the tomb was empty and these two start going for a walk and start chatting with one to another. Okay, We're talking about their attitude this morning. This is the attitude that I struggle the most with. They had to go talk. They had to go commune with one another. The Bible says, and they reasoned together. They had to figure it out. They had to figure it out. Sometimes when things happen in our life and in the things that happen in our circumstance, we know He's alive. We know He's on the throne. We know He's got it all figured out. But sometimes we have this attitude of reason where something happens that we don't understand. And before we hit our knees in prayer and submit it to the sovereignty and the will of God, we've got to try to take it upon ourselves to go for a walk or go for a chat or get on Facebook or get on our phones or get in touch with this person or that person and start talking about it, start reasoning about it, start trying to figure it out for ourselves. We're trying to see what led them to this attitude of sadness. They had an attitude of reason. They're trying to figure it out. This attitude says, I have to figure this out. Not he's got it all figured out. Don't we do that? Don't we do that to our Lord and our Savior? He's got it all figured out. He has everything in his perfect will and in his perfect plan. He's sovereign. Yet when the rubber hits the road or when tragedies happens, when suffering occurs, when you don't understand what's going on, the first thing that people like me do, because this is the one I struggle with the most, is I've got to figure this out. I've got to make it make sense in my mind before I can have the right attitude about it, before I can have joy about it, before I can move another step. I've got to go. I've got to separate. I've got to go into myself and try to figure things out and make it make sense to me. Am I the only one in here this morning that does that or some of you understand? It's not meant to make sense to us. His ways are not our ways. His, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're clearly told that in Scripture. Yet, just like these two travelers, they had to figure it out. They had to get to talking. They had to get to reasoning. Not once do you see here where they stayed with the, the disciples, stayed with the apostles and prayed and waited. They had to go. This is an attitude that says, I've got to figure this out, not he has it all figured out. You know what this looks like to God? I want to drive this point home. This looks like Bradley when he needs to eat some Cheetos. Bradley will get in his head, I want some Cheetos. He loves him some Cheetos. And he knows where they are. He knows what cabinet. He's got this figured out. He goes and he opens the cabinet and he'll grab that bag of Cheetos. He's so excited. But there's a step that he still struggles with. Okay? Opening the Cheetos. Okay? And you'll see him. He'll get that bag of Cheetos and he's so excited. All he wants in his little world at that moment is the Cheetos inside that little cellophane bag. Those grease, greasy, cheesy, crunchy goodness. I've done lost half of y'all. Pieces of Cheetos that are in that bag. Okay? And all he wants is to get what's inside that bag to figure this out so that he can attain what he wants. And he starts to begin to pull and to pry. And he gets his little feet out and he gets his little hands and he's fighting. And then his father comes around the corner and sees what his son wants. His father sees all this little boy wants in his whole wide world right now is this bag of Cheetos. And I reached down to, to grab the bag from him and help him open it. He said, no, Daddy, no, I got it. Yeah, this is what we look like when we tell God, I'm going to figure this out. No, Daddy, I got it. And they, he's pulling and he's fighting and he's jerking and he's clawing and he's biting. And he's doing. And I'm like, son, let me help. I'll get this open. Nope, nope, I, I can do this. I'm going to figure this out. 
Before you know it, I mean, know what happens? He don't get no Cheetos now, does he? How much easier would it have been when there his father said, I, I can do this, if we just said... Here we have these two travelers. they got to figure it out. The tomb's empty. He's alive. But their attitude is, come, let's reason together and figure out what he's already told us. We are so, so childish sometimes, myself included. When we look at God and say, this, these are my Cheetos. I know it's simple. I know it's childish this morning, but it's that simple. What are your Cheetos that you're trying to fix, figure out, make yours, do it your way, that God's just... He can take care of it. How many messes have you created trying to figure it out and do it all your way? It's an attitude of reason this morning. It's an attitude of ruin this morning. Look at verse number 18. And the one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, so we, we get one traveler's name, and there's debate as if it was another man with him or his wife with him. We don't know. We're not given the other traveler's name. But one of them who was named Cleopas, answering and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not known the things which are come to pass there? And he said, Do you not, have you not heard what's happened? You must be an outsider. You ain't from around here, are you? He's saying, why are you so sad? What's your attitude like? You, you're one of those Christians, but you're walking down the street and your face and your countenance and your bickering and your figure and your conversations and the things you're saying. Why are you acting? You ain't from around here, are you? You must go to that other church where they're happy all the time. Right? And you ain't from around here, are you? Haven't you heard? Haven't you heard? Jesus, they don't know it's Him yet. Haven't you heard? There's not a day that goes by I don't hear from a Christian about something negative that has happened in the world that we lived in. Haven't you heard? Haven't you seen the news? Why should that affect you? Why should that affect your attitude? You're a Christian. Ruin. The enemy was too strong, they said. Look at verse number uh, 19. Jesus goes along with them and He says unto them, What things? And they said unto Him concerning Jesus and Nazareth, which was a prophet and mighty deed. They start telling Jesus who He was, okay, not who He is. Notice that. They're not speaking in Jesus in the present tense. They're speaking to Jesus and telling Him what He was. And He's standing right there. They say, He concerning Jesus, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered Him to be condemned to death and have crucified Him. Have you not heard? They were too big for Him. They were too powerful. They were too much for Him. They killed Him. Notice the first words out of their mouth weren't, the tomb's empty. He's alive. Because they didn't believe that yet. They didn't know. Their attitude was not an attitude of life yet. It's still an attitude of death. Here we have pessimism in its purest form. He asked them, what happened? What happened? And the first words out of their mouth wasn't, the tomb is empty. The first words out of their mouth were, Jesus was crucified. Don't we do that? What's the good news, brother? Oh, there ain't no good news. Have you turned on the news? Bless God, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're, they're breaking this law and doing this. and Not He's alive. Not this world is not my home. Not I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. 
How's your attitude this morning? This one gets me fired up. This one gets my flesh a little angry because I see Christians day after day after day after day that are so, so negative. They have this attitude they had of ruin. Oh, what's the use? They killed him. They don't know he's Jesus. He was a prophet. He was. He did miracles. He 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 preached good messages, but they killed him. Well, back in my day, the church used to do this, and the church used to do that, and people used to get saved. But now, sound familiar? An attitude of ruin. The enemy was too strong, and look here, it gets worse. Verse twenty-one. But we trusted. That's past tense. Y'all get that? But we trusted that it had been which should have been redeemed Israel. We used to trust that He was going to solve our earthly problems. What they just said. Stranger, you must not have heard. They killed Him. And we used to trust that He was going to redeem Israel, that He was going to redeem us from Roman rule. They're still, their attitude is that of defeat. They haven't realized that He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. But instead, they're upset because they don't get to be Israel anymore. They're still going to have to be Roman slaves. How many times is our attitude so negative because God's not doing anything about our little earthly problems? How many times is our attitude ruined, pessimism, negativity, because God's not fixing what's going on in this life? How's your attitude this morning? As a Christian, it should not be that of ruin. But we trusted past tense. They haven't quite made their mind up yet of whether they're going to keep trusting it because the disciples are back in Jerusalem trying to figure out why the tomb's empty. But these two done left. Again, we're not given their direction or reason for going to Emmaus, but these two done had to go figure things out. And here they are telling the stranger, we trusted that he was going to get us out of the Roman Empire, but they killed him. How many times do you turn people away from our God because of your negative attitude? House is too cold, house is too hot, bed's too soft, bed's too hard, food's too cold, food's not made right. Who are you? Are you a Christian? That should not be your attitude. An attitude of reason, an attitude of ruin, and an attitude that was rattled. Look at verse 22. They keep telling the story. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished. They blew us away with their story, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. They're telling the stranger this. And they're telling him that an angel from heaven told them that Jesus was alive, and they're sad about it. You know why? Because they were so concerned with where he was, they were not, they were not concerned with who he was. They were looking for a body. They were looking for something they could touch, something that they could see. And here he is standing right in front of them, withholding his identity, and they're telling him, these ladies told us he's alive. And they're explaining why they're sad. Well, yeah, I'm saved, but I mean, I, I just have such a hard time with this and my family done this and I, he's alive. The angels told me I I experienced him for myself, but hey, you know, I, 
I don't see him fixing this for me, and I don't see him fixing that for me, and I don't see him making this happen, and I don't see him. It was an attitude of rat- rattling. They had no clue what to what to eat, where to go next. I've been there. They have no clue. This is so messed up. I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. He's dead. Not he's alive. They had all this information, and still they chose to have the attitude of, well, I don't know. We'll see. Jesus now comes alongside them. He came, he comes alongside them and he, he begins to shift their attitude. Okay. How many of you have ever been told you need an attitude adjustment? Okay. My hand's way up here. Okay. Somebody's ever been told you need an attitude adjustment. Okay. Well, this morning, as I was preparing and, and, you know, even God told me you need an attitude adjustment. So the first thing we do as people in our flesh, when somebody tells us is that we need an attitude adjustment, we go, huh, I'm not going to listen to another word that comes out of your mouth. But just for a moment, pose the question in your heart, not to the person to the right of you or the person to the left of you. It's me, O oh Lord. Look into the Word and say, do I need an attitude adjustment here? Am I guilty of some of those same attitudes that those people have had of trying to do everything my way and figure it all out? Trying to be so negative all the time because all I see is negative and all I feed myself is with is negative and, I, and, I, and I'm guilty. Or I just don't know what to believe anymore and I just wake up day by day and say, what's coming next? If you've got any of those three attitudes this morning, or some that are worse, maybe you do need an attitude adjustment. Let's look what Jesus does. Because Jesus doesn't do what a lot of preachers would like to do here. He doesn't just snap out of it, okay? He doesn't just bop them over the back of the head like some of us deserve sometimes, me included. He doesn't just punt them out into eternity, a hellfire forever. No, He comes alongside them here. What's He do? He gives them an attitude of exposition. Look at verse 27. Let's back up. Verse number 25. Then said he unto them, O fools. He was honest with them, wasn't he? O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Now, these words here are in red for us. We know Jesus said that. But I need you to understand these two travelers didn't know it was Jesus saying that. They just hear this man. They just hear this traveler. Tell them that they're fools. What would our reaction be? Take a hike. I ain't walking with you no more. You're going to call me a fool? You didn't even know what was going on. And here I fill you in and you call me a fool. But what was it about what he said? It was true. It was true. Some of you know somebody with some of these attitudes we've just talked about. You can be bold like Jesus and go and call him a fool but you need to follow it up by what's true, not what you think about it. Notice what Jesus here says, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets... What was He doing? He was pointing to Scripture. All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? He begins to go here and give them an attitude of exposition. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them and all the... what. Scriptures, not just the Scriptures, the things concerning who? He takes the Bible. They don't know He's Jesus yet. you got to hold that. He calls them fools for their unbelief. But then He takes the Bible, and He doesn't take them to the places in the Bible that 
pick out this behavior or that behavior or this behavior or that behavior. How many of you have ever got into some of these conversations? You made the mistake of trying to find in the Bible where it says this is wrong or trying to find in the Bible where it says this is wrong and trying to find... Those things are wrong. If the Bible says they're wrong, they're wrong. If the Bible says they're right, they're right. Amen. But sometimes, and what Jesus is showing here, He showed them all the places in Scripture for the attitude adjustment to take place where He was. Where He was. When a young teenager gets saved in the youth group, first thing I do is make sure they got a Bible. If they have one, then they use theirs. But if they don't, we get them one. And I tell them to get into the book of John. And the only purpose that I want them to take reading the book of John is just figure out who Jesus is. Figure out who Jesus is. Because we make the mistake sometimes of sending them to Proverbs or sending them to here and they think that they've got to do this or do that to have have joy and have happiness or they've got to check these boxes and check these boxes and all those truths and promises in God's words are great. But if you go into your Bible and you never get acquainted with who Jesus is, you could be just like these two travelers. He's alive, walking around, talking with them, talking and speaking with them and has joy and has an attitude of life, but their attitude is sour and negative and pessimistic because they haven't been in their Bibles getting to know who Jesus is. You see, Jesus is in your Bible on every page. Jesus is in every book. Jesus is in every story. And it's so critical that when you go somewhere for an attitude adjustment, that you're not going to inspirational videos on YouTube, or you're not going to hear some motivational speaker tell you about how great they did and how you can do it just like them, or that you can get on Instagram and follow this or see this, or see that, or that you can call so-and-so and and just be, those things are great. But what did Jesus do for this attitude adjustment? He began to reacquaint them. They don't know who He is. But He begins to reintroduce Himself through Scripture. He begins to take word by word. He's on every page. He was there at the beginning. He was the sacrifice in Eden. He was the Passover lamb. He was our kinsman redeemer. He was the pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. He is our shepherd. He is our bridegroom. He is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He is the king of the Jews. He's the servant. He's the son of man. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. He's the one that sees you wherever you are. He's the one that numbers the hairs on your head. You need an attitude adjustment this morning. And what you need is not in a program or not in a bottle or not in a fix or not in a prescription or not in a politician, but it is in the power of being reacquainted, reintroduced to who Jesus Christ is. You begin to expound. I need an attitude adjustment, preacher. Have you been reading your Bible? Have you been getting to know Jesus? Or have you been just searching the pages that can back you up on fitting your narrative? for what you want to display. Because being a Christian is not going about and telling people what you think about what the Bible says. Being a Christian is going and telling people about Jesus and then letting Him pour in to the new believer. You need an attitude adjustment this morning. Have you been reading your Bible? Jesus ministers the same way today as He did then to those two travelers through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. An attitude of exposition. Secondly, an attitude of edification. Look at verse 28. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. So they arrive at Emmaus, where their destination was, and Jesus was carrying on. They don't know he's Jesus yet. They don't know who he is. 
But he's just given them. What did he give them? Scripture, the Word. He's just given them something that has started to adjust their attitude. It wasn't his, well, it was his ideas because he wrote Scripture, but it wasn't worldly philosophy. It wasn't a promise from Rome or a promise from the uh, Sadducees or Pharisees. He'd been giving them Scripture. And watch this. He goes to continue on. After calling them a fool, walking them through the Bible, and here's what they say. And they drew nigh into the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. Stay. Stay. So many times, God sends somebody in our lives to help us with an attitude adjustment, and we push them away. Some of you teenagers have had mamas and daddies trying to help you with an attitude adjustment, but you've been pushing away. Wives, some of you got husbands that have been trying to help you with an attitude adjustment. All the husband says, Amen. But you've been pushing them away. Husbands, some of you have wives that have been trying to help you with an attitude adjustment, but you've been pushing them away. Take note here. Take note here. This needs to be an attitude of edification. Sir, stay with us. We don't know who you are, but what you're saying is helping us. The truth in God's Word, what you just went through, what you just said to us, is helping us. Surround yourself with people that help your attitude, not hurt your attitude. I know some of the most joyous, smiling people that get around the wrong crowd, and it's over. Their attitude goes off the deep end. I know some of the most pessimistic, negative people that rub off on me. And I have to guard myself from those people. But here you see them with Jesus. He goes to keep going and they say, sir, stay. Stay. Notice here, they didn't know who he was yet, but they know he didn't want them to go. They no longer, here are two that had to figure everything out. This is, think about this. These are the same two travelers that had to get everything figured out. Okay? That had to go reason and talk and they're so negative and they're so doubtful. You can see the attitude adjustment starting to take place here. They were so negative, so doubtful trying to explain to this traveler that's with them all the bad things that have happened. Those same two people, they don't even care who he is now. They had to figure everything out before, but now their attitude is, we need to stay with him. We need him to stay with us. This attitude is one of admitting that you don't always know what's coming. They don't always know what's coming. They didn't know what was going to be next for the believers of Jesus Christ, but they were reminded by His Word, that they needed to stay committed to having the right attitude, the right attitude of life. But being willing, this is where we, this is where we tote the line, being willing to hear God's voice over our voice, being willing to follow God's will over our will, being willing to go through the trials and the tragedies of life, knowing that He has it all under control. This is an attitude of edification, staying close to the Savior. Lastly, an attitude of evangelism. Look at verse number 30. And it came to pass, they said, abide with us, have supper with us. They were Baptists. Abide with us. Some of y'all get that in a minute. Abide with us, have supper with us. Look at verse number 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, comma, and he vanished out of their sight. 
Think about that. They had this attitude of reason, of ruin, of being rattled, of negativity. And they began to be exposed and edified through Scripture and through His presence. And now the lights are turned on. As they ate that roll from Texas Roadhouse, somebody say amen. That's eye-opener, ain't it? As they took that bite, they knew Him. It's Him. He vanishes out of their sight. Where would you be sitting? I'll tell you where you'd be sitting. Some of the same places some of you are sitting in pews right now. Because you know you've had the wrong attitude about some things. Young, old, more old, less old. You know you've had the wrong attitude about some things. And here you came to church and you've brought that attitude in here and God's made Himself real to you this morning. That's how they felt. That's how you feel right now. They knew the whole time they were complaining, moaning, groaning about how bad the enemies were and how terrible the world was getting and how Rome this and Rome that and Democrats this and Republicans that and uh, Russia this and Ukraine that and uh, pandemic this and pandemic that and how terrible and they're, they're telling him uh, and meanwhile he's alive. Meanwhile he's alive. Meanwhile he's on the throne. Meanwhile he's still in control. Meanwhile he's still God. Meanwhile he knows your name. Meanwhile he still died to save you from your sins. Meanwhile this world is not your home and that was your attitude. That was your attitude that you came and you sat at the table with Jesus with. I question, I wonder, if Jesus was in some of the pews next to you and you didn't know who He was, would He look at you and say, "What? why are you so sad? It's Sunday morning. It's Monday morning. It's Tuesday morning. You're a Christian. What's your problem? That's what He hit me between the eyes with. I took three nails. We gotta get another nail for the bottom of that cross, by the way. I took three nails, a crown of thorns, a scourging, despise, suffering, shame. What's your problem? Notice their reaction, and it was the right reaction. Verse number 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. They didn't have time to say, we're sorry. Or we thought we were, or they couldn't make any explanations. They had to make a decision right there and then. Is what their attitude was going to be from that moment forward. Look at this, verse number 31, verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? They said we were convicted that whole time. We were convicted that whole time. This is the difference this morning. If you're lost or you're saved, you're a saved person in this room and you've been walking around with some of these attitudes, you're convicted about it. But you're suppressed that conviction and you fill, you fill it in with your pride. Well, I can be mad. I can be sad. I can pout. I can complain. I can gripe. I can moan because I had to endure. But here, when faced with the decision, they said, we were convicted. We knew. We knew better. Or you're lost in here this morning and you've got those attitudes and this is the first time you're even thinking about it in this sense that you even have those attitudes because you go through life as a pessimist or negative. You go through life thinking the whole world's against you and you're the victim and that nobody's ever done anything right by you and, and the world should revolve around you because you've never met Jesus in the first place. That could be you this morning as well. 
But their decision here to base their attitude on is so, so big. Look at verse number 33. And they rose up the same hour. Here before they met Jesus and realized it was Him, they were saying, Jesus is late, stay, let's have supper. But now that they've seen Him and they knew Him, and they've made a decision to change their attitude that same hour. They turn around and they go back to Jerusalem. That same hour they return to Jerusalem. Here's the best part about why they never listed the reason they were going to Emmaus. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Where they were going on their little pout trip when they were walking and talking and trying to figure things out, once they chose to have the attitude that He was alive, that what He said was true, and that they by faith could follow Him, once they made that decision, it didn't matter why they were going to Emmaus. The things they were doing in their sorrow and their bad attitudes and their pessimism all of a sudden were wiped clean. They didn't matter anymore. They knew they had to return to Jerusalem and do something so, so critical. They returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, The Lord is risen indeed. Christian, this morning, how's your attitude? Is it an attitude of evangelism? Do you tell people that Jesus died for the world and has redeemed the world of their sins and has an eternity for heaven with Him one day? Or is all your attitude about is the negative and the judgment and the, the sadness and the sorrow? And I'm not diminishing anyone's sufferings. I'm not saying that your sufferings don't hurt. I'm not suffering. I'm not saying that your pain isn't real or that the things you've gone through don't matter. I'm not saying that the things that you've had to encounter in your life are better or worse than anybody else's. But what I'm saying to you this morning is as a child of God, you have to be willing to have the attitude that no matter what happens to you here on earth, no matter what happens to you tomorrow, no matter what happens to you next week, Jesus is alive. He's on the throne. He died for your sins. He redeemed you by His blood on Calvary. He has a home for you in glory and one day you're going to meet Him in the clouds and base your attitude on that. Don't let the attitudes of this world give you the attitude of this world. Don't let it happen. That's up to you. You get to choose that. The Lord is risen indeed. He's alive. There's no question about it. Historians, philosophers since that day have been trying to disprove it. Greatest empire in all the world has ever known of Rome. They could not prove it wrong. They could not crush it. So what makes you think any empire since would be able to? There's no question that Jesus is alive. If you fall into the category that says, no, he's not alive, you fall into the category that Jesus put you in. Oh, fools. He's alive. There's no question about it. The question this morning that he was posing to them that I am posing to you, that the Holy Spirit's been working on some of you, you've been smiling, you've been saying amen, but inside you know, are you alive? And if you are, are you acting like it? How's your attitude this morning? Are you alive? Are you born again? You act like it. As the instrumentalists are coming, to sing a song of invitation. Heads bowed, eyes closed.